Welcome to Mental Health in Minnesota, produced by NAMI Minnesota, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, a nonprofit organization dedicated to improving the lives of children and adults with mental illnesses and their families. Visit NAMI Minnesota online at namihelps.org. Hi, I'm Kay King. I'm a community educator for eight years for NAMI Minnesota. I'm a family member who was born to a mother who lived with mental illness, and my only sibling lives with bipolar disorder. I hope you can join us for Get to Know NAMI. It's a session where we talk about education, support, and advocacy at NAMI Minnesota. At the session, you'll have a chance to learn about classes and programs that we provide. You'll have a chance to hear about our support groups and our helpline. You'll also have a chance to hear a little bit about the legislative policy, first-person language, and other advocacy programs that we offer. We have daytime and evening sessions available, one hour in length. Please go to our NAMI Minnesota website, namihelps.org, to see locations, times, and dates of our programs. Hope you'll join us. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is Brian Jost, your host for this episode. And uh, we have another personal story related to NAMI Minnesota's 40th anniversary. We have Kim Sherva today. And Kim, start off by telling me what brought you to NAMI. Well, NAMI Minnesota, I've heard of NAMI Minnesota before, but my formal introduction was at Pride. And Pride is uh, the Minneapolis uh, St. Paul Twin Cities celebration of LGBT people uh, in honor of the Stonewall Rebellion back in the 60s when we, the LGBT queer community finally had enough of being mistreated. So we've had a pride since 1970s. NAMI, Minnesota being the groundbreaker it is, had a booth at Pride in 2011. And I stopped there and I was able to meet Donna Fox and Russell. And they were manning the booth. And I looked at their stuff, and they had a sign-up sheet set for volunteers. And I was at that perfect place in my life where I wanted to give back. So I put my name on the list, and I said, do give me a call. And I'm thinking, oh, they want me to come in and do pamphlets or maybe do some admin work because I've been an admin before. And I was like, oh, we'll see what happens. Well, I get a call about a month later, and I can't remember who I spoke to, but it was like, would you be interested in going to training for the first LGBT peer support group for their connections program? And I said, uh, this is a little more than fooling pamphlets, <laughs> <laughs> mind you. But I was super excited. And I said, well, what is this? And they explained connections, which is, of course, a peer-led support group. You have two facilitators who lead the group, but it's not a therapy group. You know, it's a stark difference between the two. It's people who run the group who live with mental illness, and in this case, from the LGBT community. And it was like, that would be amazing. What a fantastic opportunity. So I said, sure. So I had an application to fill out. I had an interview, and then I was accepted for training. And I was trained by Deb and Louise at the time. Um, amazing connection trainers. I miss them very much. They, they have since, I think, retired from training. But they, they were amazing, amazing ladies. And they guided us through three days of training. And at the end, I got my certification. And Russell and I started the first group in October. Um, and that was my introduction to NAMI. What a, what a big splash, you know, um, into the world of NAMI, Minnesota. Well, you jumped right into maybe one of the biggest time commitments for the vol- any volunteer role. So Yeah, it's a year commitment. 
Yeah. yeah. And I mean the weekly, you know, the weekly meetings and 90 so minutes long. That's a lot. It's a lot to ask of people. And thank you so much for all of your commitment. It was worth it. Yeah. Uh, do you have any favorite memories? Oh, being wow. Involved? Oh, it's so hard to choose. I have a couple. Um, with, with that facilitating, facilitating that group at first, you know, we had, well, the first meeting, there was no one, which cracks me up because there, Russell and I, we are so nervous. We're, you know, I was newly trained. I had my sheets with me and all that. And I was just ready to go and thinking, oh, please don't mess up. Please don't mess up. And no one came. And we looked at each other. And then we talked to each other as peers and said, well, next time. And then I remember the first time, like two or three people showed up. I think we almost scared the heck out of them. Oh, we're so glad you're here. (laughs) You know, Um, I think one of my favorite memories with the inner inner own voice is just connecting with people in the LGBT community and finding that common bond. And and tell the listeners what inner own voice is. Oh, I'm went, sorry. Yeah, no, I meant that's okay. connections. Oh, okay. I met the support group. Well, and we can we'll continue. Talk about I, I, you know, I'm involved in so much now with NAMI. Right. I, I get everything mixed up. So for the connections group, to to have people who come week after week, um, there's one person in particular had called me first on the phone, and I got a lot of calls around about this connections group. I said, we have two requirements. One, you have to live with a mental illness. You know, this is for people who live with mental illness. We're not a group that you can come and observe. This is a closed group. I said, but the second one is that you cannot be homophobic, biphobic, transphobic. You can't, you know, any of that. You have to be open-minded to be part of this group. Now, if that's something you're not comfortable with, that's okay. You know, again, it's no shaming, no blaming. But I said, then this group isn't for you because this is a group of community and this is people who might be their only safe space. I said, if this is comfortable for you, or if you're part of this community, by all means, come and check us out. So this one gentleman called, and they were, they cried on the phone, and they said, oh, you know, I don't know. I said, why don't you see? And they came, and I got to witness the journey from someone who was just absolutely devastated by some losses in their life to gaining confidence and being able to talk about things and gaining better, more stability. And it was just amazing to see that growth and that, you know, that mental health growth and that emotional growth and the connections and the friendships they made through the group. That is what it's about. You know, when I, so another part of NAMI then in 2012, they said, would you consider being a trainer now, a state trainer for the connections program? So I said, sure. And I went to St. Louis, Missouri with National NAMI. And that's when I found out that NAMI Minnesota was the first in NAMI nation to have an LGBT connections group. We were frontiers and role models and all that. And NAMI National was, how did it go? And so they had tons of questions. How was it? And what do you do? And how do you do things? And well, of course, we follow the model. Um, that, that we're training to do for the connections group. But I said, we do one important thing that's different. And they said, well, what is that? I said, well, you know, uh, not only that sexuality is a, is a spectrum, gender is a spectrum. So we ask for pronouns. And then we had a 10-minute conversation about why and how, what entails with that. And they said, that's really, that's really great, that inclusivity that you're modeling 
in Minnesota. We really want to have that nationwide. So I'm so proud of NAMI Minnesota. Well, and tell, go ahead and tell listeners a little bit more about the pronouns and what you mean by that. Well, pronouns in the, in, in the transgender community especially, some people might, and this I just had a presentation within our own voice, and we'll jump, of course, probably talk about that. But this morning, how I explain it is gender is a spectrum. Sexuality is a spectrum. Sexuality, of course, goes from asexuality, um, pansexuality, bisexuality, um, homosexuality, heterosexuality, up and down that entire spectrum. It can be fluid or it can be, you know, solid. People might be heterosexual. They've never had an inclination to be with someone the same sex or, or another, you know, um, gender or anything like that. And that's where they stay. There are other people who have a journey in their life where they might start at one part of the spectrum and go to another part or to another part and then stay there or maybe go back to where they started. It's just that's how we are as human beings. We're amazing. So gender is also a spectrum. We have people who identify as female, people who identify as male. And of course, at birth, we're assigned female at birth, assigned male at birth, meaning, you know, the doctors look at us and say, you're a girl, you're a boy. But as we know now, um, and we're beginning to know better, is that when it comes to the transgender community, even though we might have been assigned a boy at birth or or girl at birth, we, who we are, that's not who we feel we are. So we might be, have been assigned one or the other, but we might be, I was assigned female, but I'm really, I'm a boy. I'm a boy. You know, I might have been assigned male, but I'm a girl. So um, we have that. But right in the middle between male and female, we have a fluidity. We have another spectrum, which is non-binary. So there's many terms for that. You have non-binary, agender, third gender, gender queer, gender fluid, which a lot of people go, oh, that makes sense. And for indigenous folk, two-spirit, and that's their term. And, you know, there's stuff around that. And I'm not indigenous, so I'm not, I shouldn't be talking more about that. But, you know, that's a term and within the indigenous community. And so I just say I'm non-binary, um, I'm gender fluid, I'm gender queer, and the pronouns are different. So if you identify as a female or, as, you know, a woman or a girl, then you use she, her, and hers for boys or men, males, he, him, or his. But for those of us in the middle who don't exactly, that's not how we see ourselves, there's choices. There's over 20 pronouns that people can choose from. And when I looked at them, I went, oh, wow, I did not know that. So my pronouns are Z, Zer, and Zers. However, for a lot of people, I say use they, them, and theirs. I call those the training wheel pronouns <laughs> because we use them. We'll say like, like if you, I talk to you on the phone or, you know, we're going to order pizza and then, you know, someone says, what about so-and-so? And you might say to me, oh, they want pepperoni pizza. Yeah. You know, and I give that example when I give my talks to say, we use they, them, or theirs in proper, it is proper grammar. So for a lot of people, we can say they, them, or theirs, or that's just what, what resonates with them. Um, I just call them the training wheel pronouns because we yeah. use them without really thinking about that. So that for, for people who are not familiar with non-binary, it's an easy, hopefully an easy step for them to say, I can use they, them, or theirs. I'll mess up. I've messed up myself. Um, I've misgendered people before, and you just go, I'm sorry, and you move on, and you use the correct pronouns. Mm-hmm. So Nami National thought that was amazing. Completed the training, and then I came back and started training um, for fall and spring for facilitators um, around the state of Minnesota. 
Do you know if other NAMI state organizations have started LGBT connection groups? They, it's hard in smaller communities because, as you know, you know, out yeah. state Minnesota, they might only have one. And I mean, other states, not Minnesota. Oh, Do you know if outside I'm not of Minnesota? Sh- I'm not sure. I know they wanted to. I know yeah. they. I know they encouraged it. Yeah. As as far as because when I went to training, I was. Yeah, they were just amazed that Minnesota had this. They asked a lot of questions about it. And then some of them were like, yeah, that'd be great to have it. And we had people, you know, from California and Texas, the East Coast and the Midwest and Montana. And they were like, wow, that's that's really great. So that was really nice to have that support from other awesome. trainers to be. Yeah, cool. Um, maybe this is the same as favorite memories, but is there anything else you can think of that you're most proud of with your involvement? I think what I'm most proud of, being a trainer at least, the training side of it, is opening people's minds up about gender and sexuality. I might have been the first transgender or in the transgender community person they met, the first non-binary person they met, maybe the first, you know, queer person they've ever met. And they're like, wow, you know, I always say, you know, it's, it's always hard until you actually meet someone and go, well, you're just like me, really. Oh, there's you're no, just a person? There's no boogeyman. There's no monster. There's no, you know, like, oh, so you, and you live with mental illness like me. And yeah. I think my favorite memory of all is just having people in training say, when we go back to our towns, how can we be inclusive? How can we give that safe space? Because we're going to be the only connections group and it's not going to be strictly LGBT, but what can we do to make it welcome to all, especially, you know, people from, from the LGBT community. And that's amazing because I don't know before then they even thought of that aspect of it. And that's something that Chris and I bring to training is that diversity aspect of it is saying, hey, now let's, we need to be welcoming to not only LGBT, but, you know, African-American, Muslim, you know, Latino, Latinx, um, Hispanic people, people, um, you know, throughout indigenous folk, wherever they walk, whatever walks of life, Asian, South Asian communities, we all, our communities all live with mental illness. We all have members who live with mental illness, how can we be welcoming? How can NAMI Minnesota say, we're here for you, what can we do? You know, that's maybe one way to do it, is to be clear that we are open to everyone. Right. That makes sense. Tell me how you've perceived NAMI Minnesota to change over the years since you've been involved. I think the diversity thing has been really amazing, actually, because... um, you know, we're in Minnesota. This is a, this is Scandinavia. We've got a lot of white people. <laughs> I'm not white, by the way, just so you're clear. I'm, I'm, I'm Korean. I'm a Korean adoptee sitting here and looking very Korean. I'm trying to sound very Korean. No, I'm kidding. Something in the podcast. Um, so it's really nice to see that, you know, NAMI Minnesota is very much, I, I think, dedicated towards diversity. I know there's some really big plans in the works to really um, you know, reach out to those, do that community outreach to some of those communities I just talked about, and I'm super excited. I can't wait to see what the future holds um, when it comes to what we can do for our communities. What do you hope the future holds for NAMI? 
uh, what I hope is that we can expand the diversity department. I mean, you know, part of what I hope is that they can have like a building of their own so that we can really expand NAMI Minnesota because um, it's an amazing, amazing organization. And they're in this one place and I think they've outgrew it. Yes, we have. I and mean, physically outgrew it, not right. emotionally and mentally because, you know, NAMI Minnesota is always expanding. But to have... If you're going to do diversity by itself, you and they have, of course, a multicultural person, but then let's say you do it into the different, you, you're able to hire someone from the Latino, Latinx community, Hispanic community, Muslim, um, Arabic community, perhaps indigenous community, African-American community, African community, Asian, South, well, and then LGBT. Well, that's nine sub-communities. You need. A, uh, you already need a new building. I'm sorry. You're done. Just just by yeah, looking we're up, crowded. We're crowded. Just by, but it's being worked on. A new space is ooh, in the works. Ooh. I, I don't have any details, but you've every seen now and then I ask Sue. Yeah. I say, Sue. So when are we gonna have a you know a place with our own conference room? And, and Sue just looks at me. <clears throat> but uh, <laughs> but no, that's what I want. Where Nami needs to go and is going is making. Uh, because making those connections within those mm -hmm. different communities and you know trying to reach people and saying we are here for you and i think even more important we are listening because the important thing is that we're not telling these communities how they should go about with you know um communicating about living with mental illness and the practices and things like that we're saying, how does your community reach out to your members? What do you do? What are the best lived practices? What are the traditions that we need to respect? That's really super important because the stigma and shame that are in some of these communities is huge. And just barreling in there saying, no, we're going to do it this way. Mm -hmm. That's not how we're going to build a community. I know that everyone at NAMI is very aware of that. So right. they're working with people saying... How can we build that bridge? You tell us. Yeah. We're coming to you, but you tell us. And that's super important. You got to come in in a way that you're welcome to continue coming in and coming back. Right. What does it make for you personally to have been involved with NAMI? Meeting everybody. So I, you know, I, I started as a facilitator. Then I'm still a trainer. Then I trained for the In Our Own Voice program which is a uh, presentation, 90-minute presentation with a video um, that has five sections to it, which starts, you know, with um, the dark days and then kind of goes towards acceptance, um, you know, coping skills, you know, what you do, how you live with mental illness and the very end successes, hopes and dreams to talk about, okay, what's your life like? Um, now, you know, balancing living with mental illness, going on this journey. What are your dreams? What have you done? And what are you going to do? Because we want people to understand that just because you're diagnosed with a mental illness, that's not the end of your life. That's the beginning of a new life. It's not going to be the same. And grieving for that not the same is absolutely important. But there's so much richness that you can have in your life and so many other things that you can do and that you can continue to do. That's the, it's a message of hope. It really mm -hmm. is. Hope and recovery. Absolutely. So with the In Our Own Voice presentations, I've been able to talk to all sorts of different people from all sorts of different walks, all age demographics from high school on up to people, you know, in their older years, different professions. Um, the law 
enforcement community, health professionals. In fact, this morning I was talking to some nurses um, during a co-presentation, and I've met some amazing co-presenters. Um, each person brings so much to the table, and the questions they ask and the information they want to know, it's it's amazing. And I, in the LGBT community, we when we talk about who we are sexually, gender-wise, things like that, we out ourselves. It's called outing yourself. And of course, no one has the right to out anyone other than that individual. And that's a very personal decision. And I choose to out myself with every training I do um, and with every presentation I do because representation is important. I look at it this way. I don't know who's sitting in that audience for in our own voice who looks at me saying, here is an Asian person who's about the LGBT community, who's non-binary, who lives with mental illness. Now, they might not have all that, you know, not be exactly like me, but they might see parts of themselves in me. They see that and they go, well, if Kim is living this way and is doing well and that there's hope, then I too know that there's resources, that there's things I can do, that there's a path that I can choose to take and I can go on to live my life. I've, we do these Absolutely, evaluations, yeah. you know, and they're all, of course, anonymous. But I think the best thing about it in our own voice is reading people who have written specifically to me in comments, thank you for talking about gender. Yes. Thank you for saying you're LGBT or queer. Thank you for talking about coming from traumatic background, you know, with your home life. Thank you for talking about suicidal ideation and living with that because that's such still a taboo subject, as you yeah. know, talking about that. It's scary for people. Well, you make a good point of being up there and telling your story and being that example for people to see in person that there's hope for recovery. There is. So yeah. I think if I'm going to sum it up, it's showing people or hopefully people look at me and go, there is hope. And I know there's hope and there's resources and there's support. And even if I might not have people in my own family, unfortunately, who understand this illness, who support me, there is a community out there of people that I don't even know yet. Mm -hmm. I said that to them today. If I could tell my 18-year-old self, you wait, hold on, hold on tight and wait. Because 20 years down the road from now, you have no idea what's ahead of you. You do not know the journey, how amazing it's going to be, the people you'll meet, um, the impact you'll have, how much you'll learn, the enrichment you'll give, and the enrichment you'll receive. It'll blow, it would blow your mind right now at 18, yeah, you right. know. So hold on. And that's why we do NAMI, right? right? Exactly. Especially to our youth. Hold on. It's going to get mm -hmm. better. We're here for you. We are a community. It doesn't matter who you are, what your sexuality, your race, your gender, your religion, any of that. You're one of us. Right. And we take care of our own. Well, thank you for your work in the Connection Program and the Inner Own Voice Program. And you've done other projects. You've done video interviews. And, and, and uh, I know you've done a lot more i think you've spoken at our walk i spoke you? at our walk one year yeah, so. yep i did some other things at sue and and it's always an honor when sue or anyone from nami minnesota says kim would you be interested in taking part in this would you like to talk about this part of your journey because um that it's it's validation mm -hmm. yeah it's nice for the ego but more than anything else nami knows that i really 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 advocate and 
support and educate just as the cornerstones are for NAMI. Yep. That's what I want to share too. Yeah, so. Well, thank you for all of your help. And oh, maybe we'll, in the future, honor. maybe we can get you on the podcast again and, and hear some more details about your personal recovery story. But thank you so much for coming in and having this conversation. No, I appreciate happy 40th anniversary to NAMI, Minnesota. Right. I'm so proud. <laughs> it's it's a great, uh, great organization. And here's to 40 more years of awesomeness. Thank you. You're welcome. NAMI, Minnesota champions justice, dignity, and respect for all people affected by mental illnesses. Through education, support, and advocacy, we strive to eliminate the pervasive stigma of mental illnesses, affect positive changes in the mental health system, and increase the public and professional understanding of mental illnesses. NAMI Minnesota vigorously promotes the development of community mental health programs and services, improved access to services, and increased opportunities for recovery. Call us at 651-645-2948 or email namihelps at namimn.org. NAMI Minnesota's website is namihelps.org. Outside of Minnesota, visit nami.org to find your state NAMI organization.